going to get started. Good to see you. Thanks for coming to the what we're calling Adult Bible Fellowship Hour. And uh, I don't know what it sounds like there, but I get a lot of ring up here. So we'll adjust the mics and be good to go. So we're going to be in marriage. So again, this isn't a marriage class, but it certainly has a lot of application to the marriage scenario. Uh, we'll be looking at things that are very, very biblically sound when it comes to how we relate to each other. So let's open up with a word of prayer, and uh, we'll get started with our new class on relationships and marriage, makers and breakers. Father, I pray now that as we open up the precious Word of God, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, It's uh, you've made it so clear and so many times in Scripture's the difficulties that we face as human beings when we relate to others, mainly because of the old sin nature that we still all possess, even as God's people. So I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to work on these things, that you'd instruct us, that you'd guide us, and, Father, that we'd be purposeful as we study the Word of God this morning. And we commit all this to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, so what we're going to discuss this morning is critical or complementary communication. Critical or complementary communication. That pretty much gives you a clue as to where we're going. Unfortunately, most dominant characteristic in people is we're negative by nature. And I believe a lot of that is just the basic problem that we have as, as sinful people, the sinful nature. You say, well, listen, Brother Rich, I'm a Christian. I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I've been saved for years. And, and I say, a caution. Whether you've been saved one day or 20, 30, 40, 50 years, relationships are always a challenge. And you say, well, why is that? Because if you're not literally walking with the Holy Spirit, Every single day, every single minute, every single hour, you're going to have difficulties. Getting along with people is the most difficult thing we do. Think about that. Getting along with other people is one of the most difficult things we do, and it may be at the top of the list of most difficulties that we face as human beings. So we're going to go through the scriptural reasons why that is, but we, of course, the main thing we want to do is prick our minds a little bit. So this, it's, it's going to be uncomfortable at times, it really is. Because when the Word of God starts to work on our hearts, it's a little uncomfortable. But I'll tell you what, if you go through the pain, you ever hear the term, no pain, no gain? You know, the, the, the athlete or the musician, they practice and they work hard and it's, and it's difficult and it's tough and it's, and it's hard and it's tedious at times. But that's how you win games, if you will. It's how you become an accomplished uh, a musician. You go through the pain to get, if you will, to the gain. So we're going to look at things that are, if you will, breakers in relationships and those things that actually will help you. I did not uh, uh, give you handouts, so I would, uh, one of the things I always did. Now, I've been in ministry for many, many years, but every single time, and, and during a time when uh, Valerie and I were traveling and we go to other ministries and so forth and listen to the messages, I can only encourage you to do this. Some of you may want to take me up, some not. Every time I, I listen to another pastor, I have, I have this many journals, I would sit down and I would meticulously write notes during it. It does two things. We all learn in different ways. 
Some people learn by the auditory, by hearing. Uh, others learn by reading better, and there's different ways that we can respond. So I did everything I possibly could to get stuff to stick up in the old cranium. So uh, I would encourage you to at least think about taking a few notes and getting the scriptures down uh, to be a help for you. Because down the road you're going to be, man, I wish I would have known that. So it might be a help for you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Think about it. We talked about it this morning. 7.3 billion people on the earth, 350 million people in the United States of America. And one of the most difficult challenges, and, it, and it, just, it just absolutely tears me up, is when people come and say, I have no friends, I have nobody that cares about me, I'm all alone in the world, and it happens so many times. Well, we're going to encourage those of you that might be going through that to maybe look at things from a little different perspective, and that is instead of waiting for people to come to you, how do you go to them? You need people. You absolutely need people in your life. And that's one of the big things that God has designed for the local church is to get to know people. It's to, if you will, we are a team. Unigirl Baptist Church is a team of people that come together, the family of God. We work together. We eat together. We pray together. We bury uh, folks together. We marry folks together. We rejoice with those who are rejoicing. We weep with those who are weeping. Why? Because it's all part of the dynamics that God made. Why do you think God said God the Father, God the Son, you go through scriptures, constantly references, illustrations about the family, about relationships. So two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Trying to get work done by yourself, even though you might be a, a, an expediter and you, and some people, it's like, I just as soon do things myself, stay out of my way. I can be like that on occasion, quite frankly. But I usually find out that when I try to do things myself, unless it's studying, nobody can help me study, but any kind of a project, and those of you that know how great a builder I'm not, it's like, you better have somebody with you. I hear amens all over. Anyway, <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 10, for if they fall, and we talked about this this morning as well, if somebody falls, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. So what is God saying here? As we just start the basic concept here of relationships, God is making it very clear. Don't try to do it yourself. You're not going to be happy. You're going to fail. And you're like, well, some of you might be thinking this right now. It's like, well, Brother Rich, here's the problem. Relationships cause me hurt. They cause me turmoil. Every time I get involved with somebody, something goes wrong, and a relationship is a disaster. Well, stay tuned. We're going to see if we can't give you some ideas biblically on how to take care of some of those tough relationships you've been in. By the way, did I say relationships is one of the toughest things you do as a human being? It is. It's not easy. I love this one. If you, if you can pick it out on the paper, those are two little doggies under the blanket. <laughs> At first I saw the picture and I was like, what is that? Uh, when I was looking for him, it's two little doggies snuggled up together under a blanket. And uh, Ecclesia, I, I didn't want to use people on this one, so I, <laughs> I had to go with doggies. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, 
Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 11. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? So it's a cold winter's night, and if you're married and you snuggle up to your spouse, and um, my Valerie's usually freezing to death. I'm always about 200 thermal degrees. So it's like she gets a whole lot of warmth just out of me being in the same area with her, but that's the concept. It's like you got, you got the furnace and you got the cold person. Sometimes it's in reverse, I guess, but uh, you lay down together, it, it's cold out. And, of course, the heat back in uh, when this was written way back in the Old Testament times, they didn't have the furnace to click it on. They didn't have electric blankets. And God is relating to the culture. How are you going to keep warm? Well, you snuggle up to somebody who, uh, and, of course, that's from a marital side. Uh, Ecclesiastes 4.12, and here's another one that's used in many uh, uh, marriage ceremonies. Verse 12, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So God's saying you try and do things on your own by yourself. He's talking about the importance of good relationships here. You try and do something on your own, you take two people and you work together, and you are harmonizing together, huh, it becomes a much stronger chance of, of, uh, of success. Now let's go to the total relationship side. Three people working together, having that, and now in a marriage, it's, it's the husband, it's the wife, and then uh, based on the symbolism, some will say, well, it's the Holy Spirit or Jesus Christ, which pulls all of it together. Folks, you can't do things on your own. When you try... You're going to fail. When we try to think through things and think through the problems and think through things with our cranium and we don't go and get help from others, it's usually going to have a bad result. So God is saying, listen, he's putting out the basic concept for relationships, not to do anything alone. You say, well, I'm a single person. I have no intentions of getting married. That's fine. God doesn't call everybody to get married. It is, again, we're trying to make this very clear. This is a cross-relational type thing. It fits into those who uh, God may have called to be single. It calls into those who are in a marriage relationship. But all these relationships are relationships. They're all biblical. They all have to be focused together and done in God's way. So we're going to spend most of uh, our time together, the next uh, 25 minutes or so, in Ephesians chapter 4 to lay out the principles that God has for a basic relationship that's going to work. And again, put on your steel-toed shoes this morning. This is not easy. What we're going to look at actually will make some people mad this morning. You say, how do you know that? Because I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> These are things that get under our skin. They make us, ah, it's like, man. I, I mean, seriously, if, if you're feeling that this morning when we're going through some of these things, I'm going to ask you to do the best you can. <sighs> Take a deep breath. Try and compress a little bit. Listen to what God has to say because the things we're going to go through are exactly polar opposites of the way we want to do business. Isn't it amazing that God in his word wrote these things for a reason? Because he knows we struggle with them. And these are the things that we're going to look at that can change your life from being 
a constant turmoil, constant struggle, constant conflict, how do you totally dismiss that and get that out of your life? Is it possible? And may I suggest it is very possible. Ephesians chapter 4, as I used to say when I preach hard at some churches on uh, the gospel, so it's time to put your seatbelts on. So put your seatbelts on, uh, get a good grip, and let's go. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, and here we start out. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Poetic pause. Let no, N-O, zero, nada, nothing, corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Folks, that is the key. We're going to see as we go through all these different things, and there's a lot of emotions that are going to be tied up in the verbiage that God uses here. Horrible things that have terribly afflicted us, and how do we respond? Folks, we preach through the book of James about the tongue and the vileness that the tongue has and the corruption that the tongue causes. If I walk into a room and there's a meeting going on, let's say it's a, something happening and let's just take it out of the church and go to a county board type meeting or a, an alderman meeting or something like that. People are gathered together on a controversial subject. And the issue gets put forth. And they're like, we're going to take comments now. And the people come up to the microphone and uh, you've got their supporters. And they're like, yeah, you know, we, that's a great idea. That's good. Let's do it. And then you have the other person come up, totally opposite, begins to scream and yell and uh, get very emotional and really pounds something to the point where it becomes offensive to the, po- to the people listening. And God is basically saying here, there's a way to talk, there's a way to respond to the emotions that we feel inside. Folks, this is not psychology, this is Bible. And by the way, God understands how we think, how we respond, and what we do. And that's exactly why we're in Ephesians chapter 4, out of one of many passages dealing with the emotions that we have to deal with on a daily basis as God's people. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Here's the challenge. Here's challenge one. But what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Like, whoa. We're going to go through each and every one of these scenarios in just a moment. I drove in with my wife this morning. She's out, by the way, getting chicken. At Piggly Wiggly. It's all about chicken. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) I'm not sure what you heard. She's actually going out to get food for our deacon uh, follow-up dinner right now, but We drive in this morning like we do every Sunday morning and many other times during the week. And are we going to talk about something good? Are we going to talk about something controversial? And uh, we're both A-type people, very intense about things. Both are very, very driven. Uh, Both have many things we want to get done. And uh, 
uh, uh, we can start talking and, and we'll both get excited about something and then uh, uh, I may be on one subject, she's on another and all of a sudden uh, uh, she's pushing one thing and I'm pushing another and all of a sudden we don't even know what each other's talking about <laughs> because we're so focused in on what we're thinking about. And that's horrible communication, right? It doesn't work. And God says, listen, uh, 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 secondly, he's like, okay, and then what happens after you're on two different pages? None of your business. That didn't get one little laugh? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> when my wife and I are on separate pages on something and we're driving and all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Well, what are you talking about? And, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, could that go to a bad place real quick? Oh, Yeah. Those of you that are married, those of you that, whether you have a relationship or uh, uh, with a friend or somebody you uh, care about or a dating relationship or marriage, and all of a sudden, we're both on different pages. We're both trying to get our thing out. We both want to be what? Heard. Heard. Hear me. Listen. Don't you get it? Of course, I wouldn't talk like that to her, but, uh, uh, well, no. (laughs) And then God says this, listen. It's like when you're talking to your wife, buddy, you better only, you better let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. That's helping someone. We'll get through the words. That it may impart grace to the hearers. Here's going to be part two, if you will, of this scenario. So here's what God's saying. He's putting down, down a concept don't let anything bad come out of your mouth, but only what basically is a help to others, what will bring grace to the person listening. Do you know how hard that is? With a friend? With a spouse? And God puts this basic rule down. And now he adds point two to this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Wait a minute. He's talking about communication and how we talk to others, and bam! Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by messing up on this. Let all, all right, folks, pay attention to each word. We're going to go through each one from its original context in a moment. Again, steel-toed shoes, take a deep breath. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And, point number three, be kind to one another. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted. And here's the one that brings it all together. Forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. 57.7% of those that uh, were surveyed by this particular group called insider.com, here's what they found in 57.7% of the respondents. Survey participants revealed that, generally speaking, their conflicts were not resolved calmly or effectively and it only got worse over time. They reported that communication problems increased in frequency and intensity throughout their marriages, which at times seemed to coincide with lost feelings of 
positive connections and mutual support. The first major reason, and let me go to the marriage part for a moment, the first major thing that causes marriages, Christian marriages, secular marriages to break up is number one on all lists, a lack of commitment. In other words, you got married, there was just, it, it has, you just never really felt it, but you did it anyway. Lack of commitment. Number two, infidelity. Okay, we don't need to go there. You all understand what infidelity is. Somebody cheated on somebody, bam, marriage blows up. Number three, communication. Here we are. So you say, well, as Christians, the chance of, uh, you know, uh, the commitment part, that's something some folks may have to work on. Number two, infidelity happens, but I trust that's not going to be an issue at this point. But number three, we all deal with number three. 57.7% of all married folks said, listen, we, did, we struggle with communication. And it leads to separation or divorce. So, how can we work on these things? Well, let's see what God has to say. Here's those three words. I've used them many times here. Familiarity breeds contempt. You say, well, Brother Rich, what does that mean? It means that the first time I saw Valerie at a church in Indiana, and I saw that pretty little thing sitting a few pews in front of me, and I had my eyes on her, and it's like, whoo, I'd like to get to know her. <laughs> and I didn't know her. All there was is a physical attraction at this point. I had, I had no clue who she was, what she did, what her character level loves, if she loves God or not. But I see in church, she's pretty, she's going to the school I'm going to. And I, uh, uh, at the particular church we went to, they, they, uh, in college, they highly encouraged the guys to take uh, a girl out to the Valentine's banquet. Now, Valentine's banquets at this school were included a six-inch rule. You say, what in the world is a six-inch rule? It means you don't get closer than six inches. No hand touching, no body touching, no banging up uh, uh, with the elbows. Uh, okay, it was like, we'll call it the West Point of Christian schools. Very strict. <laughs> so I come, I come behind Valerie, and, and basically I said, you know, I introduced myself. Hi, Valerie, you know, I'm rich, and would you come to the Valentine's banquet with me? And uh, uh, she said, yes. Wow, super good. We're, we're, we're rolling here. So now, she's sweet, she's beautiful, she comes to the banquet with me, and we're on level one of relationships, which is very surface. It's all about, well, is she going to like me, is she not going to like me? It's physical attraction at first, right? It's like, oh, she's pretty, I'll ask her out. And she goes. Now it's time to start building on that. We've been married for years, You wouldn't believe it if I told you. Lots of years. More than some folks in here have been alive. Like the 10-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> and now, game on. You say, Brother Rich, you're a pastor. Your wife is a pastor's wife. You've gone through six million different schools. You've been in ministry for a long, long time. You have got to have the most rock 
solid relationship with your wife. I, I wish we could just have a camera in your house and watch how you love on each other all day and all night. <laughs> right? And then I pull out the hymn book and I sing, Only a Sinner Saved by Grace. <laughs> hey. But it's true. Folks, there's no temptation taken you but such as is what? Common to man. Do not put a camera in our house. You say, why? Because every marriage has issues that sneak in. Every single marriage. You say, are you and your wife in good terms? Of course we are. You say, are you planning on staying married to her? Of course I am. Do you sometimes have conflict? Of course we do. Familiarity breeds contempt. The things I wouldn't even have thought possible when I first looked at that cute little girl back in high, at uh, college, and now, after being married for as many years as we have, and it's like, has you have, have you ever gone through conflict in your marriage, in your relationship before you were married? And the answer is yes. And you say, well, if you have conflict as somebody who spent his life basically in ministry, is there any hope for anyone? And the answer is yes. And you say, why? Because the pastor and his wife are no different than a Sunday school teacher or a Awana worker or a Christian couple because we all deal with the same sin nature. And if you don't put that sin nature in check, I can tell you, and, and ah, I shouldn't go here, but I'm going to. The amount of pastors, and this isn't about pastors, but I'm going to, if you put people on a pedestal, they're going to fall down. And I can tell you pastor after pastor after missionary after Christian school teacher, people that you would think, this has got to be the epitome of the Christian walk, and I've watched them one by one as their relationships crumble and they end up in divorce court. All right? Now, for those that have gone through the tough times, for those that have gone through the divorce court, let me make it very, very clear. There are times, unfortunately, when things we're not put together, if you will, properly. There's times when the horrible things happen. There's times when the sin has been out of control and it ends in a divorce court. You say, well, Brother Rich, how do you feel about that? I feel sorry for these people that have gone through it. And you say, well, Brother Rich, are, are, are people that have gone through that, are they welcome at Union Grove Baptist Church? And I say, yes, with open arms, absolutely, absolutely. They need to be loved on, they need to be cared for, and they need to be, let's build a life. Let's get it back. Everybody's welcome in this church. Everybody, no matter where they've come from, no matter what's happened, God loves all people. Isn't that good? I mean, if God didn't love all people, there's no reason for him to love me then. But God loves all folks. Familiarity breeds contempt. Here we go. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Take a look at that beautiful red apple. That's what God's talking about. He's like, every time we decide to spit out some venomous words, harsh words, mean words, hateful words, corrupt words, bad words, rotten words, putrid words, and as the commentator states in a moral sense, corrupt, 
foul, referring to the spoken word. <sighs> don't, don't respond. Those of you, whether outside or inside of marriage, or it's just a relationship, have you ever gotten so mad you just lost it, and bam, you just pummel them with words? Rotten, spewing, corrupt things coming out of your mouth. Horrible things, things that you wouldn't even dream of saying in the context we're in church right now, but you just lose it. I mean, it's, it's all on, it's swearing, it's cussing, it's cursing, it's chewing them out, it's calling them things that you would have never thought in a million years you'd say when you first met this person, but you let her loose. Get it? Familiarity breeds contempt, but it's even more than that. He says, well, what is speak that which is good and necessary for edification? What is edification? It's building up. It's the act of building. Building is a process. Also, that which is built, the building. We have that as one of our main pieces at Union Grove Baptist. Building lives one person at a time. It takes time to build things. Folks, when you take somebody and you damage them by horrible speaking, and you tear at them, and you ridicule them, and you chop at them, is that going to result in a good relationship? And the answer is, of course not. And God is saying, as hard as it is to keep your mouth in check, and James tells us the hardest thing in the world to check is the mouth, the tongue. And God says, when you talk, now here's what's going to happen right now. I don't know who we are, but I'm, in a crowd this size, I know what's going on. You're thinking, all right, buddy. You have no idea what that other person says. Yes, I do. You have no idea how harsh they treat me. Yeah, I, I get it. You say, no, you don't. Yeah, I do. I really do. Like I said, I've been at this a long time. It gets so bad sometimes that they ended up in my jail. They ended up with criminal charges. Ended up in murder, horrible assaults. You know how embarrassed people were when they'd seen me in church on Sunday and in the jail bullpen on a Monday or Tuesday or a Saturday or a Friday after they got drunk and messed up and they walk in and they see the pastor or the preacher. I wasn't a pastor then, but preaching all over the place. They fall on their face and they cry. I'm so sorry, I can't believe I did that. You say, what'd you do, go over there and punch him? No, I go over there. It's all right. You got to go through it. You messed up. Now we're going to build your life back. One step at a time. Build them up. They've already been torn down. Building God's work one person at a time. That it may, everything we say, impart grace to the hearers. You say, Brother Rich, you, you, you know, you're living in la-la land. You think that it's so easy when you go through all these things and the harshness and the toughness that it's okay uh, just to pour grace out on people. Stay tuned because we're going to find out how to do that. This is the model. He's setting the model. Don't let anything corrupt come out of your mouth, only that which is good for edification, that you're imparting grace, a free unmerited gift to somebody. It's not deserved. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve your love. They don't deserve your care. That's what he's basically saying, but you give it to them anyway. You say, you don't understand what they've done to me. Stay tuned. 
Grace causes joy, pleasure, gratification, favor, acceptance for a kindness granted or desired, a benefit, a thanks, a gratitude. Second part, a favor done without expectation of return. That's grace. That is the hardest thing in a relationship to get a hold of. God, we say it every single week, at least in one of the services. For by what are you saved? Grace, God's free and merited gift. You're like, well, I'm not God. I understand that. But God challenges every single one of us to give grace to the next person. You say, are there certain people that can get under your skin and get you mad and angry? Grace. Grace. You say, well, what happens when somebody gets in your face and they criticize you and they, and they, and they swap at you and they say horrible things and, and yell at you? And I say, grace. As most of you know, I was in politics for way too many years. <laughs> My wife will tell you, she's sitting over there, that pretty little thing I was talking about, still good looking. <laughs> Don't tell anybody, though. There's a particular judge that was very volatile, very upset about things. And he'd get in my face and he'd call me by my first name. Bad, bad judge. You say, why? Because I, was, I had rank. He said, call me by my rank. But that's all right. <laughs> Stop laughing. And the judge would come up to me and he'd say, Rich! And he'd start screaming at me in, in the hallway. And he's like, what are you going to do about this? And, and this is bad, and this is bad, and that's bad, and what are you going to do about that? And what, what, how are you going to deal with this? <laughs> I smile at him. Oh, would that make him mad? <laughs> I say, listen, Judge. I said, you let me take care of it. And I'm going to call you up on the phone, and I'm going to tell you exactly what we're going to do. Folks, if I wouldn't exercise grace, he wouldn't be here. <laughs> that's, that's all right. He's an unsaved guy. Father, forgive him for he knows not what he's doing. And uh, let's show him some love. By the way, when I retired, I got a nice letter from that judge. Why? Because I showed him love. A favor known without expectation return, the absolutely free expression of the loving kindness of God to humankind, finding its only motive in the bounty and benevolence of the giver, unearned and unmerited favor. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. He lays down the rules. Here's where we need to go. And don't grieve God. What does he say here? Catch this. Right underneath the first three points, no corrupt word, only that which is good and necessary for edification, only that which imparts grace to the hearers, don't grieve the Spirit of God. He's saying, listen, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What? By whom you are sealed, guaranteed salvation. How do you grieve God? It's by treating others unkindly. You say, well, you know what they did to me? I do, and God does too. Why should we not grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Because he said, if you're a Christian, I'm taking you to heaven when you die. I'm sealing you. 
You're sealed. I got you. By the way, this is one of the best verses on eternal security. You cannot lose your salvation. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says, we're all placed in the Holy, uh, into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit, and you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You cannot be let go. Amen? I mean, that's good. But we sure try hard to get that undone sometimes, but God says, I got you. All right, so let's take a look at this very quickly because we're running out of time. With all bitterness... What are we talking about? Bitterness. Uh, things that happen to us and we get upset. By the way, do you know who gets hurt when you're bitter against somebody? Well, you know what that person did to me. Do you know how horribly they treated me? And I'm just, I'm furious with them. And I have a right to be bitter. And God says, okay, you got a right to be bitter if you, if you think you do. But you know who's miserable? You or them. And them. When you get bitter against somebody and you hold a grudge against them and you let it consume your mind, it's the opposite of being filled with the Holy Spirit. That bitterness consumes you. Number two, wrath. I like this little picture. You got that one little mean person in there, right? Ah, mad, mad, mad. I'm mad. I can't stand it. You know my life's been horrible. You know how I've been treated. Everybody else is like, hey, life is good. We're moving on. But the wrath is in there. What does it do? It eats you alive. It eats you up. It consumes you. God says, get rid of the bitterness. Get rid of the wrath. Get rid of the anger. These are all things that absolutely are screaming at us. We're not walking with God. If you have bitterness, wrath, but you say, brother, and here's where, here's where I get it, in the counseling room. Do you know what that person did to me? By the way, this does not have to, this is not even in a marriage context. Do you know what my boss did? Do you know what uh, my brother or my sister did? Do you know what my family member did to me? Do you know the real, and they, man, I mean, it's bad, and they treated them poor, and I agree, they treated them horribly, absolutely disgusting what they did. I'll never speak to them again. But all you do is speak about them. You see that wrath, that anger, that bitterness. And God's saying, get rid of it. How? But all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, basically screaming out, crying, wailing. I can't take it anymore. Take it away from me. I'm, I'm so upset. I'm so beside myself. And God's saying, we need to get rid of this. Folks, it sneaks into relationships constantly. And by the way, you're not the only one. It happens to so many people. Evil speaking. Get rid of it. What is evil speaking? When we speak bad about somebody, and you know why we speak bad about somebody? Because we don't like them. <sighs> is that a good and godly way to respond to people? You say, well, you don't know. Stop saying you don't know. Yeah, we get it. I get it. God gets it. People are people. People are mean. People are angry. People treat us like garbage. And God says grace. Grace. Verbal abuse against someone which denotes the very worst type of slander. Do not look at your neighbor. Do not raise a hand. Do not blink. Have you ever lost it so bad that your face basically turned red? You're screaming. You have lost it. You've gone to a place that you as a Christian are like you're so embarrassed afterwards. It's like, I can't believe I did that. 
I just totally lost it. And God says, evil speaking, it's the word, the same word, Greek word for blasphemy. The worst thing you can do against God is blaspheming him. It's basically, we get so infuriated, the evil speaking, if you will, the synonymous concept of blasphemy comes out, and you just so lose it. And God says you need to control that. It's all malice. Wickedness is an evil habit of the mind. Evil in a moral sense. Wickedness of the heart, life, and character. And God is talking to Christians here, not the unsaved. You say, whoo, I thought it was just about me. No, it's about all of us. All of us deal with these things. You say, well, I've never gone to that extent. Well, God bless you, and that's good. But there's many that have, and it's harsh, and it's hurtful, and what? Okay, after you get through, if if it happens to be you, and you get through with the screaming fit, losing it, going after somebody, it feels good for the moment. You decompressed, you vented, you got it out. That's what the psychologist will tell you to do. Let it out, scream, yell, beat the pillow, whatever. And God says, no, stop it. Stop. How do you do that? Be kind. Now we start the third section. Here's how you do it. To be kind to one another. What does the word kindness mean from the original? Furnish what is needed, profitable, fit, good for any use, easy to use or bear, having nothing harsh or galling about it. In a moral sense, moral, useful, good, virtuous, useful toward others, good nature, good, gentle, kind. That's what God asks for us as his people to be in all of our relationships whether it's me to a little child, whether it's me to a teenager, whether it's me to a senior citizen, whether it's me to someone at work, whether it's me at school, whether it's in the home. God says to be what? Kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Oh, wait a minute. We're crossing the line. I'm a man's man. I am not going to be tender-hearted. And God says, you better be. Better be better be. He says, you want to be one of God's people? Yeah. You're my child, right? Yes. Be tenderhearted. Kind? Tenderhearted? That's not what cops do. By the way, it is what good cops do. He says, is there such a thing? Yeah, there's one I hope for 32 years. People need help, compassion, tenderhearted. And here's what we close with. Folks, This is life transformational. This last statement is life transformational. Every one of you here has had bad results from some relationships, some in the marriage situation. And you've been hurt, and you've been crushed, and you've been tormented. And it might have even ended in a separation of a relationship or a marriage. And you're holding on to all of that, and God says... Here's what you need to do. I want you, please, to do as Ephesians 4 says, to forgive one another just as God in Christ forgave you. If you hold on to the bitterness and the anger and the wrath, then the first section of speaking nothing that is in 
that you shouldn't be speaking. The, the hatred and the, uh, the disgust and all of that's going to come raging out of our mouth and the anger and the bitterness and the wrath is going to come pouring out. And God says, can you look at that person like I did and forgive him? You say, no, I can't. I'm going to forgive him. Jesus looks down at us, Christian, and says, what? What? What do you mean you won't forgive him? Do you realize what I did? That's when you hated me. That's where I went. Right to the cross. You hated me. You were against me. You said, I never hated you. You hated me. You might not have realized it, but you wouldn't follow me. And I said, oh, God, I don't want to go down there. I don't want to have to go to that cross. I don't want you to have to turn your back on me. But I'm going to do it because I love him. Grace. <laughs> so what's the homework? Many of you have gone through horrific hurts, and I get it, and it's hard. It is very, very hard to deal with. Some have been horrifically abused. And you're struggling with, how can I ever forgive this person? How can I ever put this behind me and speak well of them? And God says, can you forgive one another just like I forgave you? I told you it would be tough. This is the hardest piece of what we're going to be going through. To give up and to let God. To give up the hatred, the bitterness, the wrath, the anger, the tough things that we love to say, and we're going to go into the specifics next week when we com continue with communication. But this is base one. Decompress. God, I can't do this on my own. You're absolutely right. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Ask for His help. Ask for His guidance. Ask to help you decompress. But folks, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 makes it very clear the Holy Spirit lives within you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, you're the temple. Don't defile it. He lives there. Would you ask for his help? Tonight we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit's power inside of each one of us when we go to uh, Romans chapter 5. What are we going to do with these things? Father, We've just started. We've just touched the tip of the iceberg on the thing that ah, just so many times destroys people, which are relationships. And Father, I know there's so many people whose lives have been crushed and hurt and the pain is beyond belief and dealing with this gets so harsh. Father, for those that have really been through the tough, tough times, would you please give them uh, uh, the peace of God? Would you please give them the grace that only you can give? Would you please give them the comfort only you can give and help that anger and the wrath and the malice and the bitterness to be put away? For those that are here that are listening, the relationships might be intact, but how we speak to one another is not. Father, would you help us to be kind in what we say? Would you help us not to say those things which we shouldn't say? Would you help us to work with grace with all people, including those we're closest to? Father, would you please help us because we can't do it on our own. We know we can't. We'll fail. So, Lord, we commit it to you. Please help us, Lord. Help us to do right this week. Help us to guide our tongues by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said,